is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Magic. Did you just use the M word? Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor. And we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 167. Here's a Boo Crew Halloween fright fact. The Celts once carried lanterns carved from turnips through their village to ward off evil spirits. We know you are insanely busy, but if you get a spare moment, we would absolutely love it if you stopped by Apple Podcasts and checked in on the Boo Crew to not only rate the show, but write us a brief review. It helps us continue to grow, and it's a great way we can connect with you even more. As we will read your review at the top of the show, what do we have this time, Leo? Hey, we got one from RSI1991. They write, By far my favorite horror podcast, and I'm subscribed to 11 horror podcasts. Wow. Wow, that's it. Wow. Yeah, they write, I was lucky enough to catch the Boo Crew very early on before the podcast was even announced when I randomly found their Instagram post of Drew Barrymore in Scream, and I haven't stopped following ever since. They have the most diverse range of guests out there of any horror podcast that I know of, which makes every new episode more and more exciting. Some of my favorite episodes are with Spencer Charnas, Michael Doherty, Daniel Myrick, Richard Stanley, Greg Nicotero, and just recently, Chino Moreno. I was born in 91, so discovering horror movies in the late 90s and early 2000s was tough because, unlike today, horror wasn't as celebrated, and my friends really never discussed it. Listening to Trevor, Lauren, and Leo every week Makes me feel like I'm hanging out with friends I wish I had 20 years ago Aww. because they're just as big horror fans of horror as I am. I also highly recommend subscribing to their Patreon as well for bonus episodes and behind the scenes videos. Would love to see Eli Roth and or Adam Green come on soon. Love you guys. Rating five stars. Wow. <laughs> Well, I didn't expect that air horn to be so loud. Oh, sure you did. Right. It scared the shit out sure of me. You did. Jesus. It is a horror podcast after all. Uh, yeah, definitely. Wow, that that's like Happy so spookies. nice. Yeah, that is so kind. And like that's so yeah. cool that she or he or he he yeah found our podcast even before it was announced. Like that brings me back to I remember when I was just posting teaser pictures. I think we all were. Right. Of just yeah. like trying to get people to follow and figure out like it coming soon. And I don't think we even recorded anything at that point. Nope. <laughs> I didn't even know right. if anything right. was going to happen. But yeah. anyways, that's really cool because that brings me back because that seems so long ago, but not that long ago, if that makes any sense. And and I do remember that post. And oh, thanks so much for sticking with us, even before you even knew what we were. That's just so cool. Yeah, no, that means the world to us. Lauren, you got another one. I sure do. I want to thank Trevor for making the font like size 800 because I, I do am what I can. blind as a bat. <laughs> we have one from Destroyer. Ooh, I like that. Entertainment to any horror kid. As a grown adult, I still consider myself a horror kid because I still geek out over anything dealing with the genre, whether it be music, movies, or conventions. And these guys do it justice and geek out just as much as I do. Now, I don't feel so alone that I'm now without horror conventions and theaters. These guys and gal 
are able to give me the weekly fix I so desperately need. Thanks for all the great content and delivering horror knowledge to all the listeners. Rating five stars. Woo! Wow. Thank nice. you, Destroyer. Yeah, yes. that's so nice. And I'm so yeah. glad we can help you fill that void. It's definitely a really difficult time for everybody. And, and a difficult time of year for horror fans as well, who are yeah. used to going out and seeing all these awesome movies in the theaters and going to do all these immersive experiences and all that kind of stuff. This is, you know, this is a time of year when we get to go out and play. So right. it's a little bit different this year. But the good thing is we are being inundated with amazing horror content all around us. The sheer amount of horror films coming to streaming on a weekly basis is yeah. really overwhelming and fun. And we got all sorts of great releases coming out like in the next couple of weeks, like The Craft is coming out. Right? Yep. The modern day it was a seek is it a sequel? It's not really a remake, isn't it? A follow-up, like a direct follow-up. Yeah, it's called Legacy. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then Roll Dolls The Witches with Oh my gosh, I love the witches. Anne Hathaway and uh, Octavia Spencer coming out as well. Yeah. This is like nice. a week away. Yeah, it's crazy. Release. Yeah, I just want to say like I had a breakdown the other day and I cried in the closet. Because I was so sad because I look forward, we all do, we look forward to Halloween and everything that surrounds Halloween and all these events. And it just hit me because last year I was like, this next Halloween, it's going to be epic. It's on a freaking Saturday and daylight saving times. You get an extra hour of Halloween. I swear there was something else that made it super magical. And this was like going to be the Halloween of all Halloweens. We were going to be at Disneyland. I had it like all planned out. (laughs) And it just like hit me that none of this is going to happen. And it made me really sad. But I am glad that there are lots of movies to keep us busy. And there are drive through experiences and ways to keep the holiday alive. I mean, it lives inside our hearts, definitely. And as a horror fan, every day is Halloween for us. But there's something about October and... Well, I mean, yeah. traditionally getting together with your friends, right? Yeah. And hanging out and going yeah. to do all these yeah. things together. And it's it's cool that there are different innovations and different ways that people are thinking up to do that safely, like driving, yeah. driving experiences and going to do that kind of stuff. And and connecting over Zoom and all that stuff. And then the fact that you're here listening to us and that we're here talking to you. Let's keep that going. And that other magical thing that you were uh, thinking about, Lauren, is the next full moon occurs on Saturday, October 31st. That's when it is. When yeah. is it? When, will be thin. when was the last Halloween when all that shit fell into place? God, who knows? Did ever? I don't know, man. Probably. I don't know. It's, Maybe it's, it was a fucking sign. Like, yeah, it's like it was too good to be true. Like this can't actually happen because it would be too amazing. I just feel like I'm getting like one less year of my life. Does that make sense? Is that like a little dramatic? But it's one less Halloween that I got to do it all. Yeah, but you know what? This is only setting the scene for what will be the most insane Halloween probably ever. Next year. Right. God willing. Yeah. Everything yeah. goes away with this thing. The vaccines are out and the world becomes a safer place. Can you imagine? I'm doing everything like Can 20 you imagine? times. Never in our lifetime, hopefully, will we ever come to this kind of event again where literally things are shut down 
and we're experiencing something we never have experienced before and going without to an extent that we've never had to go without before. Next year. Oh my gosh. We're going to have like parties. It's going to be insane. Everybody's going to go crazy. And that yeah, is exciting. Definitely. That's going to be some new experience. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. Imagine, I'm on board. Imagine Halloween Horror Nights 2021. The return. Knots. The return. All these things. Right. That's going to be insane. It really is. And to be a part of that. Yep. Wow. I'm excited. Mm. I'm yeah. pumped. Yeah. Until then, let's just watch all this amazing shit and talk about it. Sounds yep. good. Destroyer and RSI 1991, thank you so much for taking the time to write those amazing reviews. So thoughtful. If you would like your review read at the top of the show, hit up Apple Podcasts and search for the Boo Crew. At time of release, although we regularly release on Tuesdays, we're trying to pack in as much Halloween fun for you all month long. So we'll continue to be trick-or-treating you with even more episodes in just one a week all month long. Our guest for this one, the incredible Sarah Paxton. Guys, how rad is Sarah? Oh my gosh, she's freaking amazing! Right? (laughs) Such such a kind soul and so talented. And I was hoping she'd be as cool as she was. She was. She's even cooler. Yeah, she exceeded my expectations. Yeah, someone you just want to hang out with and be friends instantly. So funny, so charming, and a chameleon on screen as far as her diverse portfolio of roles. Some insane genre work. She talks to you in detail. About her experience in The Innkeepers. One of the best ghost stories ever. Hell yeah. Last House on the Left. Cheap Thrills. Shark Night 3D. Which we had a blast with. Working with David Lynch. (laughs) Return to Halloween Town. And much more. Episode 167 starts now. The Boo Crew dusts a fright flick off the shelf for... Ah! Horror Homework. We're going to go around the room and around the world wide web all the way out to Leo in beautiful downtown Eagle Rock! <laughs> yes. And we're each going to highlight a horror flick yes. to each other and possibly even to you that we consider a must-see or perhaps worth a revisit looking for a sound effect. What do I got besides the air horn? Uh, no. That's all I got. I got like four of them. We need werewolves. Werewolves howling. Why don't I have werewolves howling? Yeah, I don't we need know. that. We got to get our intern to get. On that. Oh God! <laughs> right. uh, we no intern. We yeah. just have the sweet scream sound. <laughs> yes, as close as we got. <laughs> so we got a few picks here, man. These, these are gonna be like what Halloween picks, right? That's right. We didn't even we didn't even say yeah. what we're gonna talk about. Great job. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. We are going to highlight to you. Some of our favorite movies that we like to watch during the Halloween season doesn't necessarily have to take place at Halloween, but no. movies we enjoy in the Halloween. Oh, okay. It's supposed to be a werewolf. Sounds like oh. fog. Oh, maybe not. That's my stomach, dude. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, God! No. Oh my there God. you go. Okay, okay. That's all I got, Leo. Sorry. Well, I got a couple picks here, and let's see. I think two are probably supernatural, and one's more on the realistic side of true crime or type of stuff here. Uh, my first pick is uh, the Autopsy of Jane Doe by Andre Oberdahl. Great who pick. Was a guest nice. on our show. I love that movie, man. I, I you know, first time I saw it, it was just like solid picture, man, because it just you think it's, the movie's about one thing, and then it takes a turn, and you're like, holy shit, there's a deeper, crazier story here. Uh, stars Emil Hirsch and Brian Cox, and we also had Emil Hirsch on the show, who was a fantastic guest. Now, for a second pick, it's going to be a double header for my second pick. Okay, we got The Strangers, directed by Brian Bertino, mm. which stars Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman, 
which, you know, we talked about before that, you know, the story is loosely based on the Caddy Cabin murders and also loosely on the Charles Manson family murders as well. And if you're watching that one, you got to do a double header and you got to watch Johannes Roberts' uh, sequel to that, The Strangers Pray at Night with uh, Christina Hendricks and Bailey Madison. And a shout out to Damien Maffei, who plays Sackhead. He listens to the show, and dude, thanks for listening, man. Now, my third pick is going to be a series. It's on Hulu. Now, this is for all of you guys that are fans of the 1973 movie The Exorcist. This is The Exorcist TV show. It's on Hulu. It's a 10-episode show. It stars Gina Davis, Alan Ruck, and uh, the two lead girls that I really love, um, Brianne Howie and um, Hannah Kasulka. The show is in the same universe as the movie The Exorcist, as well as the Emily Rose story. And it takes place 40 years after The Exorcist uh, movie from 73, so it's more like a present-day uh, story in Chicago. And the cool thing about this is it's not just the possession in the bedroom with the girl tied to the bed. It takes place in an ambulance. It takes place in the city streets, in the sewers, in a church, in a hospital. Like, it goes crazy. Every episode pretty much guaranteed to give you a good jump scare and or something really horrific in terms of gore. And has really good acting, really good plot line. And like I said, it, it really expands on what you know from that 1973 movie. and it really pays off. So I definitely recommend if you're a fan, it's on Hulu. Check it out. The Exorcist 10 episode series. Awesome. Didn't Ty West direct one of those episodes as well? Was he a guest director? He did. He, he actually, he directed season two. Now I enjoy season two was not as big as fan. Cause it kind of, it's, it's kind of like a different storyline, you know, okay. than the first season, the first season is like, if you had any un- unanswered questions about the movie, first season's like, we're going to show you, like, we're going to fuck you up. We're going to show you and we're going to scare you. And we're going to, I don't want to reveal too much because there's a lot of uh, spoilers that, you know, that, that come up as surprises, which you don't see coming. And you're like, holy shit, you know, but if you pay attention to the details, things you see in the background and the foreground and what the actors say, it's all in the writing. So it's something that's definitely special. If you like possession movies and love the exorcist movie, definitely check this one out. I was just reading that Shudder acquired the documentary called Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist that'll be out November yes. 19th. Nice. Have you seen this thing yet? I have not. I believe that's a French uh, filmmaker, I believe, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, who, who made the documentary. And it's supposed to cover like some really cool behind the scenes stories and, and footage and stuff that's never been seen before or talked about. So I'm excited about it. I'm no. glad it's finally coming out. I'm sure out. you are. Yeah, yeah Leo, Leo's all down with the freaking and the possession stuff, yeah. man. It's like Christmas yeah. for him. Yeah, the filmmaker is yes. Alexandre O. Philippe. Yeah, November 19th. Yeah, that's the gentleman. That's right. All right. These are three movies that I enjoy watching during the Halloween season or pretty much any season. 2015's Crimson Peak, which is directed by Guillermo del Toro. Beautiful movie. I think that's that's my favorite Guillermo del Toro movie right there. Definitely. It stars Mia Wasikowska, Jessica Chastain, and Tom Hiddleston. And it's a ghost story about love. And it's got this amazing house that I really want to move into, even though it's a little dilapidated it's falling Um, falling into the earth and uh i just want to live in all the costumes and the era and it's just the acting is insane and i just love it's just a really good solid ghost story 
it takes you on all these paths that you don't expect to go on. And also, I just wanted to say that that they built this whole house in its entirety. And then they tore the whole thing down because the studio needed space. And that broke my heart a little bit. That's one set they should have just left up and charged tickets to go and right? get yes. photo ops forever. I would have paid yeah. to go. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. They could have turned it into a museum or something. It's one of yeah, my definitely. favorite sets probably of any movie in the past like 20 years. Yeah. And Jessica Chastain learned piano for the movie, which I think is always cool when actors learn things that they don't know how to do. Oh. Number two is a uh, 19... 19- I think I wrote this down wrong. Hold on. 1943's Ghostbusters. God, you guys, I hate that voice. 1938's Nightmare on Elm Street. Fuck you. Starring Charlie Chaplin. Are you making it even more scarier (laughs) as if you could? Jesus, stop. Lauren hates that voice. God, it's like the worst voice. It's like... What's wrong with that voice? I don't know. 1930s. It's like... (laughs) I feel like maybe in a past life, like someone hurt me with that voice. Like, (laughs) no, every time I hear it, I cringe. Like a Keystone cop? Who who would would hurt you with a voice like that? I don't know. Jack the Ripper? That's right. My second pick is 1956's The Bad Seed, which is a kind of psychological horror thriller that actually was a play that was adapted to film. It was directed by Mervyn Leroy. It stars Nancy Kelly, Patty McCormick, Henry Jones, and Eileen Heckhart. It's in black and white, by the way. It's a story about a mom who discovers that her seemingly perfect eight-year-old daughter isn't as perfect as everyone thinks. I don't want to, like, give it all away. But I saw this when I was really little with my aunt. And maybe that's why I love it so much, because I loved watching horror movies with my aunt. It's just a really different take on a horror movie. And this little girl, Patty McCormick, she's such an amazing actress. And they recently did a remake with Rob Lowe. And I haven't seen it, but I guarantee it's not as good as the original. Alfred Hitchcock turned down the opportunity to direct this film. One of our listeners, Jerry, he knows that I love this movie. That's my second pick. My third pick is 2012's Sinister, and it's directed by Scott Derrickson. Oh, that's a great movie. And it stars Ethan Hawke, Juliet Rylance, and James Ransom. I always want to say Ransom. It's about a true crime writer who finds a box of Super 8 home videos in his new house and the footage he finds opens up new questions in a murder case that he's researching. It's just a really creepy movie. Like I was legitimately scared. There's a scene where a family is all hung in a tree. Yeah, that's crazy. It was done by all stunt people. And I guess the stunt coordinator messed up preparing it for the actors and they were legitimately hung and Whoa. choked. Whoa. And oh, 
everybody ended up being okay, but it was a huge deal and the stunt coordinator got fired and that stunt went wrong and they were just gasping and luckily people were able to get them down quickly enough to save them. But how traumatic. My turn? Sure. All right. Yes. Okay. In no particular order. Jeff Lieberman's 2004 horror comedy. I bring this up. This is one of my favorites. Satan's Little Helper. Yes. Woo! Most distinguished from the rubber Satan mask on the artwork, either the DVD cover, the poster, art, whatever you're looking at. I, I went out and bought the mask. I wore it for Halloween. I couldn't see shit out of it, and I refused to take it off. I was just a sweaty glob <laughs> underneath it. People were ac- actually asking me to take it off. They yeah. said, dude, you don't have to wear the mask. I'm wearing a mask. I don't care what you say. I'm wearing a mask. Well, if I take the mask, I'm just holding it in my hand and walking around with a coat on. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, mask designed by Jonathan Fuller, who worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Mm. This is his very first mask that he made, produced by a company called Death Studios, and it was the El Diablo mask. Listed on Rolling Stone's 13 terrifying movies you can't unsee. So Jeff Lieberman, the director, also brought a squirm back in 76, wrote The NeverEnding Story 3 in 94. So this movie follows a young boy named Dougie who meets a person in this amazing rubber devil mask while out trick-or-treating. And the person doesn't speak, but does some incredibly disturbing things. Dougie catches him in the act. Little boy Dougie looks maybe nine years old or so. He befriends this person, helps him or her in their antics all throughout Halloween, causing indescribable carnage along the way why it's awesome they capture the look and feel of the halloween season so well reminiscent of what doherty managed to capture with trick-or-treat i will swear on this movie till the end of my days as one of the greatest homages to halloween on film a lot of people don't know about it people who do love it check it out if you haven't seen it revisit it throughout this season the next one i'm going to throw out there is a very spooky ghost story lake mungo Incredibly oh, yes. eerie, beautifully yes. constructed, written by Joel Anderson, set up like a documentary about the aftermath of the drowning death of a couple's daughters from 2008. If you're a fan of Mike Flanagan's work in terms of using negative space to absolutely terrify you, this film is a stunning example of that delicate power and impact. And finally, I'm going to say Damien Leone's Terrifier 2016. Woo! Incredible. Possibly the most unforgiving and vicious slasher film I've ever seen in my life. So extreme that Lauren and I had to turn it off for a couple days. I had to watch some Disney <laughs> yeah. movies yeah. in between to like cleanse the palate. It was yeah. nuts. Yeah. This is what brought us yeah. David Howard Thornton's maniacal silent character, Art the Clown. And they're working on yes. a sequel. And the sequel was supposed to be out for Halloween this year. But like all other things in production... At this time, COVID has set them back. Their new goal is to complete by early 2021. And Damien had last said in an interview that all he can say is it's going to be worth the wait. And he gives a plot point in the sequel. After being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art returns to Miles County where he must hunt down and destroy a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween. Ooh, on Halloween. Oh, mm-hmm. Love it. This is Sarah Paxton, and you are listening to another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew. Do you know the story of Madeline O'Malley? She was the woman that died here in the hotel. She hung herself after her fiancé stood her up on their wedding day. 
And ever since then, people have reported seeing the ghost of Madeline O'Malley roaming the hallways waiting for her lover. Some say she's even looking to take up a new one. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is an award-winning actor, writer, singer, and voiceover artist. Her career exemplifies this wonderful ability of being able to weave herself into an incredibly diverse range of characters and tones, the likes of which is so rare and amazing to experience as a viewer as she takes us on that path. She has an innate and gifted sense of timing that she brings to absolutely every performance that ignites this alchemy in all genres from comedy to drama to horror. And the choices in the project she pursues is a testament to this very adventure and her mastery of the craft. She made her feature debut at the age of eight in Jim Carrey's Liar Liar and went on to countless film and TV roles from CSI, Will and Grace, Lizzie McGuire, Wizards of Waverly Place to Malcolm in the Middle. She got nominated for an Emmy for her work on Darcy's Wildlife and helped earn the same in her starring role as Marty Piper in Disney's Return to Halloween Town. She will forever be ingrained in the magic of childhood with what she brought playing a mermaid in Aquamarine and Unforgettably fun movies like Sleepover and Sydney White and over 18 years of creating characters on the beloved SpongeBob SquarePants. And in that same breath has brought us to the very edge of depravity and sanity. In 2009's The Last House on the Left, the tremendous South by Southwest winning hit Cheap Thrills, and one of the most marvelous ghost stories ever told on film, Ty West's The Innkeepers. She can be seen most recently in Jason Reitman's The Front Runner and the TV series Good Girls. We are honored to welcome the wonderful Sarah Paxton. Yeah. Thank you so much, you guys. Whoa. Um, hold me. I don't know. <laughs> that was amazing. Well, listen, Sarah, again, we are such massive fans of your work and the diversity in what you do is so rare and should absolutely be celebrated. It means a lot to us to be able to talk to you about that today. Through your career, you have made exemplary decisions when it comes to the horror genre and genre adjacent material. Are you a fan of horror as a viewer yourself? I am. I am a fan. I'm a fan. I've been a fan my whole life. However, I I started off as a as a scared fan. I was terrified of horror ghost story anything you know suspense but i still i couldn't stop watching it i just it was like such a masochist i would torture myself and i'd be watching like through my fingers but yeah no I'm, I'm a fan what is the very first memory you have of seeing a horror film and being impacted by it we'll never forget it burned into my memory forever i think i was six and i saw poltergeist and being a small blonde child watching that movie i was like oh okay well i was like i okay so i can get sucked into my closet i will never return my mom will have to pull me to the ceiling with boo everywhere like that movie was so so scary for me it was such a it was it was such a moment in my life that i remember and then after that, immediately after that, I saw The Exorcist when I was eight. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
That's some that's trauma. That was, <laughs> that's what I talk about with my therapist. <laughs> Looking at your amazing career that is painted with such broad strokes. Can your trajectory be brought down to a common thread that has informed your many different decisions along the way and the projects that you choose to be a part of? Is there something you're looking for? Hmm. That's really hard to just kind of boil all that down into one thing. Also, I mean, I think when you're an actor, you don't make choices in the moment based off, you know, like this zoomed out, like, plan you know like in in the moment going you know from film to film or whatever that i was doing i was just kind of looking for um i mean the script to to move me and go somewhere that i wasn't expecting and i really love working with directors who have a vision and who know what they want and you know as an actor you feel not only like you feel really safe in that sort of environment i don't know like like for example, like working with Ty West, you know, I was, I hadn't seen House of the Devil when I met with him. I had been hearing about him and hearing about the movie, but when I met him, I could just knew he knew exactly what he wanted. And like this man had a vision, like nothing was going to stop him. I was, I was just so taken aback and like impressed just from the meeting that I was like, yeah, I'll go wherever he goes. Like, oh, I'll, I'll follow him into it. So yeah, I don't, I guess like the, the, the common thread would be like, I just go where directors have a, have a vision and um, people that I connect with and material that I connect with. Yeah. And like playing different characters, you know, that maybe I haven't played before or trying to do something a little different. Just, I just kind of like to switch it up a lot. Let's go into 2006's return to Halloween town. We want to ask you how much fun, first of all, was it to be a part of that world and to experience the magic of which university and all those incredible sets? Yeah, no, it was amazing. Um, first of all, I took over the role for the amazing Kimberly J. Brown, who did one through three, who I was a huge fan of. I mean, I grew up watching those movies as well. To be asked to step into the role was so exciting. And I immediately said yes, just to be just to be a part of that. Like you said, you know, the magic of being able to. It's so weird. Like, you know, you have nostalgia for certain things and then you get the opportunity to like step into your own nostalgia. I was like, oh, this is so this is um, this could be really cool. And I've always just been a huge fan of like witches and wizards and dragons and fantasy and magic. And so, you know. That was like a dream come true. Where did they film that? Speaking of all those sets and the wizardry and everything. Really? Salt Lake City, Utah. Like how much of that is actually part of the small town and how much of that is is the movie magic? I don't remember. Um, I mean, I know we we did shoot at like some sort of abandoned castle or something. I know that Disney shot at that time all of their movie of the month that they had on their on their channel. All of them were shot in Salt Lake City. How was it getting a chance to work with the great Debbie Reynolds? Oh, my God. I mean, I okay. I feel like I'm just going to be like gushing this whole interview. But I grew up also on old Hollywood. Like my mom, you know, we always watched Rita Hayworth, Marilyn Monroe, Ava Gardner. Like that was my jam. And so to be able to work with her, and it was actually my second time working with her. She played my grandmother in a pilot that I did. Yeah, like in 2002 or something, I was a, I was just a teenager, really young. So meeting her again, working with her again, I was like, 
I'm just so lucky. <laughs> Talking about Halloween Town, and it makes me think of Halloween time. What do you do on Halloween? Do you go to haunts or like do you go to parties? Like, what is a typical Halloween for you? Well, now I'm so boring. I'm really boring now. I'm old and I'm boring and like I'm not like a drinker. I don't party. <laughs> now, Halloween, like I don't have children, but. Halloween for me, I just like to like pass out candy and kind of see other kids' costumes. And I, I don't really, I can't experience that like magic. Any, I, mean, I could, but it'd be kind of weird. Um, I can't experience that trick-or-treating, like night of Halloween in the neighborhood magic. So it's fun like watching other kids, you know, experience that. So now it's mostly just like pass out some candy and watch a horror film and like eat junk food and just like, you know, get scared <laughs> are there any like halloween staple movies that you always watch around the season i feel like a slasher is kind of like you have to that feels but that's not what scares me the most like what scares me the most are ghost stories like i'm not afraid of anything that could actually happen to you like <laughs> kidnapping you know texas chainsaw like i'm not anything that can re- that could you could experience in real life not afraid of ghost floating through the wall i'm i'm freaked out i am scared i'm crying i'm petrified i'm up all night i'm like you know clutching my dog so yeah i think for me it would probably be like a, i love texas chainsaw massacre so probably that or yeah or just go like straight up ghost i don't know i love the conjuring too in terms oh, good. of good you guys, you guys, the conjuring scared the shit out of me. <laughs> the original one. I mean, yeah, because there's how many are there now, right? There's, Is it the third one that's coming out, Leo? Yes, so. the third one will be out, I believe, next summer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the first one. I mean, I went, I saw the movie in the theaters when it came out, and I was with my boyfriend at the time, and we were both clutch, I lived like this the whole time, clutching each other, and he wanted to leave. <laughs> He was like, yeah, he was like, I'm hoping she'll get so scared that we can go. (laughs) So, yeah, the Boo Crew will be right back from the creator of Halloween and the star of The Exorcist, Linda Blair in Hell Night. Garth Manor, where the unseen, the unspeakable hides its terror in cobwebbed corridors. Linda Blair, Vincent Van Patten and Peter Barton in Hell Night. From Compass International, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parents. At the time in your career when this particular movie was made, there couldn't be any more of a swerve than... Dennis Iliadis's version of Wes Craven and Sean Cunningham's The Last House on the Left. First of all, a tremendously inventive version of the story and one that took you to perhaps the darkest of dark places I know that we've ever endured as viewers. But we can't even imagine what that was like to experience as a performer and the things you had to go through in that film, in that character. Talk a bit about that role in taking yourself to those levels? Well, I, I auditioned for the movie a couple of times and I read the script and yeah, it was definitely the first time 
up until that point, I kind of been doing a lot of like lighthearted, you know, I was either playing like the good girl or the mean girl in like a high school, you know, environment kind of movie. And I read the script and I was like, oh, wow, this is a lot. This is like totally different for, for me. And I, I was up for the challenge. I was like, I, this is a, a, like a hard turn that I want to make. And so I, you know, I, I got the role. Um, I was shocked. And then I started to panic because I was like, oh, now I actually have to go fly to, we filmed it in South Africa for like four months. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, so now I have to go. I was 19 and I was like, now I got to go and I got to do this. Like, what if I can't pull this off? Like, you know, this is a lot, but it really is a testament to Dennis and really the whole cast. We all bonded so hard and so fast. I don't think it's, it would have been possible for me at least to really get in there and do that kind of performance if I didn't trust and love those people so much. You know, I knew they had my back no matter what. And so I could just, you know, just kind of do it and let go really. Cause I felt so safe and protected by everybody. It was such an amazing experience. Like people are always like that, you know, that must've been so hard. And, and it was, it was, but it was so fun. You guys, it was so <laughs> fun. It was so fun. I mean, everyone is so cool. Garrett Dillahunt, Aaron Paul, Ricky Lindholm, Spencer Tree Clark, Martha McIsaac, like the whole, everybody, Dennis, the director, everybody was so cool. And we were just plopped in the middle of this forest in South Africa with like baboons running around. Like we, there was literally a guy whose only job was to stand on a ladder and like, watch out for the baboons. Like, we're <laughs> That's <to> amazing. <laughs> we're trying to do these like really, we're like screaming and crying, like covered in dirt and blood. And everyone's like, there's a baboon. We're like, ah. And we had to, but there's like a van we'd like all pile into if we saw a baboon. Cause they would like kill you. So there was like this whole other horror movie happening, like within this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> killer baboons at that point in terms of being casted for that role were you familiar with the original movie at that time i had not seen the original movie i knew there was an original movie but sometimes i feel kind of worried to watch the original before at least before the audition because i I knew it was very different and i didn't want it to affect anything or like have this idea in my head of like what it should be instead of just like seeing it for what it is like in the script and the character. But I, we did watch it as a group before we started shooting. Dennis made us all get together and like watch all these movies that were like, you know, in, in, as inspiration. And we were all like, Whoa. <laughs> 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 I'm curious. I'm curious about like, we were having this discussion the other day. How do you avoid any sense of actual real physical trauma when it comes to filming scenes like you had to do like that horrible moment you have with Garrett Dillahunt's character or or in the car with Aaron Paul and and uh, and Ricky Lindholm's character where they're grabbing your mouth and moving you all around. How much of that is stunt work that a stunt double comes in and doesn't? How much of that is actually you? And does everybody have to kind of be careful about what's going on? It's it's a little, you know, frantic and, and hectic in those yeah, moments. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of it ourselves. I mean. I would say most of it was ourselves, but we did have amazing stunt people that came in and, you know, did a lot of stuff too. But I'm thinking of like the mouth, like all that stuff in the car, that was all us. Yeah. It is tricky because you have to kind of just like 
let kind of kind of just cut loose, you know, especially for like I remember there was a scene with Aaron Paul and Martha McIsaac when he slams her head against the sink. And that was a stunt because it was both of them and they had a foam sink. But it's so hard because you have to like it's walking this fine line of like I am cutting loose and screaming my head off and whatever. But you can't get so lost in it that you hurt someone or hurt yourself, you know. So there was a lot of I mean, yeah, I think all of us came home really battered and bruised and bloody. Like there was a lot of. There was a lot of, in, not like serious injury, but we all like limped home every night and like had a glass of wine, like outside our hotel rooms, like bleeding. <laughs> I mean, I remember not even like in the shooting, but I remember like, I think week one of shooting, I, we were we shot somewhat consecutively, which is rare. Martha McIsaac and I, Martha and, and Spencer, we were jumping on a trampoline, like out, around set. And we kind of jumped. I jumped wrong. You know, when someone like double bounces you and you kind of go flying. And my tooth jammed into Spencer's forehead and like blood was like gushing down his face. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be fired. I'm like, I'm fired. So just even outside of the shooting, there were just always all these accidents happening constantly, like blood gushing out of people's faces and stuff. And now he has a scar on his face forever. So. Hopefully he thinks of me. Being a mother, watching that movie, it was so hard for me, you know, just thinking of if that was my daughter. Was it hard for your mom to watch that movie? I can't even imagine, even though it's not real. It just takes you to a place where you're like, oh, my gosh. 100 percent there's nobody that i know that in my life that can watch the movie i remember i brought my parents to the premiere i i told them i was like you're not gonna like it i really don't think you should come i really don't think you should watch it and they're like we know it's just a movie we've been around you know you doing movies forever and my my dad got up and walked out in the middle of the premiere yeah it's just too hard yeah it's it's just too hard and um I don't blame them, honestly. Yeah, I get it. Were Wes Craven and, and Sean Cunningham involved in any aspect of the actual production of the film on set? Like, did they interact with you guys as a team or anything like that in any creative way? They weren't on set. I think they came to visit a little bit, but they were not involved in the day to day as far as I knew on set. But Wes's son, Jonathan Craven, was a producer on the movie and he was involved every day daily um on set he was amazing and yeah the other producers cody and marianne were always there and they worked very closely with wes and uh, on a lot of his movies i think and um yeah but they were not they they weren't there for the day-to-day take us to 2011's the innkeepers and you of course saying that (laughs) ghost stories freak you out i mean (laughs) shot in a haunted hotel right a real life haunted hotel you guys, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed because, um, you know, a lot, you have to remember, like, I'm, I was 19 when I did Last House on the Left. I was, I had just turned 22 when I shot The Innkeepers. And when Ty told me that I got the role, he was like, 
oh man, it's going to be so great. And we're filming at this haunted hotel, the Yankee Peddler Inn, where we stayed and we shot House of the Devil. And it is haunted. It is so haunted. And he thinks that I'm going to be like really excited about this. And I was like, oh my God, I'm petrified. Like, I don't want to be in the haunted hotel. And so I tried to get moved to a different hotel. And he had to call me and be like, dude, you don't want to go to a different hotel. Like we're staying in, we lived in the hotel that we shot in all the crew, everybody. So going to set every day was just walking out of my room and going to the hallway. Like that's pretty cool. It was amazing. I mean, I'm so glad that I didn't like, you know, wimp out and like not stay there because it was so amazing. It was haunted as hell. Um, super haunted, but it was just such a fun, amazing experience. Like just everybody living and working in that old, like crazy hotel. And, and it kind of felt like, I don't know. It, it just felt like you were like living in the movie. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, when you watch it, it feels so real probably because of that to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was fun. I wear like one outfit, the whole movie, you know, I'm wearing like this maroon polo and these jeans and like going to work every day was just like, <laughs> Like a PA would knock on my room, like, are you awake? Like, put on your pants and your shirt and <laughs> go film. Like, okay. <laughs> Is it still a functioning hotel? Was anyone staying there when you guys were filming, or did you have the whole run of no, the place? We, we had the whole run of the place. So it was entire. It was the entire crew. It was all of us. Like all of our meals were in the like ballroom, you know, of the motel of of the inn, and um, it was just us. It was amazing. Nobody. I didn't stay on the second floor because that was the most haunted floor, they said. But the room that the most haunted room is, is the the room that we shot the scenes where the old man, George, his name is George, is in the bathtub. That room, you guys, was crazy. Like, I, like if you walk into that, it's, a, it's, a, it's like the, it's like the uh, honeymoon suite, which is super creepy. And... Uh, <laughs> It's uneven. So, you know, those like fun house rooms where you kind of like are walking and like the perspective changes and it's like small all of a sudden or like big. Yeah. That was the room. That's crazy. But like wow. naturally. Yeah, it was it was wild. It was very wild. I loved it. So while shooting the movie, you're in these uh, unique locations, whether it's this broom hallway or dark basement or whatever, you know, did anything creepy or paranormal happen while actually shooting the movie? I'm trying to remember. The only thing that I remember was that I had crazy dreams really weird, bad dreams all the time. And I don't remember if this happened. Do you know when there's a memory and you don't know if it happened to you or somebody else? And you're like, am I just telling you this? I think Ty's phone would ring every night at like 3 a.m. and nobody would be there. And we were all like, who's doing it? Like, who is it? Who's doing it? But I don't think anybody was doing it because we were working. Like when you're filming, you need your sleep, you know? Like you're, I don't think anybody is like risking their sleep to do like this long long con thing of like waking up at 3am to like breathe on the other end of Ty's phone. But I remember that, that happening and just always a lot of really weird noises. Oh, you know what? I think my TV would turn on as well. My TV would turn on by itself. So that was cool. What is it about Pat Healy and what he brings in performance that helped unlock this remarkable natural chemistry between you two that completely creates the audience's attachment to you guys man i don't know i mean i love pat pat is i mean you know i've worked with pat twice and i would love to keep working with pat 
we just really got along. Like the moment we started working together, I don't know what we just kind of like it all just kind of clicked into place. And uh, we just had the same sense of humor. We're just telling like a lot of like 12 year old boy jokes, a lot of fart jokes. I like question stuff on set. So I, I just feel like because that bond in real life, like was real, it's, it, you know, it, it came through um, in the movie. And what about like that? There's a scene at the beginning where you're duped into watching a scare video or that moment when you run back up to the front and ding the bell and run away on him. All these things that seem so unplanned and natural. It was a lot of that on the page or was a lot of that stuff that you guys just brought in? I have to think about that because I've heard Ty, I'm, 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 I don't want to speak for Ty, but I remember him saying when we were doing this, that he didn't really know that the movie was going to have this like element of goofiness, you know, that he, that it wasn't planned. Like, but I, I'm trying to remember, like when I read the script, I mean, I felt that, I don't know. Also like, that's just who I am. Like I'm like, that character is just the, is me playing the closest to myself that I've ever played. That's just me. I think it helped that I really was afraid of the hotel and like (laughs) (laughs) and Ty really knew how to like work that to his advantage. Like the actress named Brenda who played the ghost, he knew that I was, you know, a scaredy cat. And so he would never let me see her out of her hair and makeup. We would shoot everything that we would do like without her there, like my angle or like, you know, whatever. And then the minute we needed her, he would like, bring her in like really slow by the hand with like her thing and her contacts. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So I was just always like afraid of her. And so funny. It was so fun. Ty and I like sort of developed this weird little language of how to like, when he wanted to get a certain reaction out of me, he would like say certain things. Like if he wanted me to, like you said, like, run up the stairs and freak out. He'd be like, okay, go full George Costanza. (laughs) Like that was that. And then if he wanted me to like go really slow, I don't even know how he came up with this, but if he wanted me to go super, super slow, like opening a door or something, he'd be like, okay, like, so for this take, go like snail buck, major snail buck. I don't even know what that means. Snail buck. I love it. (laughs) And I'd be like, yeah, got it, snail boat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that direction, I'm so curious about this one scene that really makes the movie for a lot of people who see it, us included, the basement scene where you see presumably Madeline O'Malley's ghost for the first time, but the audience doesn't see it. Yeah. And Luke's lips are quivering and you're describing what you're seeing over his shoulder. What was the direction on that scene? I don't remember the direction. I don't remember the direction from Ty, but I do remember that we shot that movie consecutively. Weirdly enough, I heard that he did the same on house of the devil. So maybe that's, he just does that, but we were getting towards the end. So things are getting progressively scarier, you know, and you know, in in the beginning we were having fun and games, like drawing pictures and like laughing and, you know, we were, it was getting a lot more intense. And I mean, really, the setting is its own character. You know what I mean? Like we were in the real basement of the Yankee peddler, which I think there was some sort of lore to the basement as well. Like someone died in there or something. So, and, and 
you know, tie shoots on film. So we were nearing the end and he was running out of film. So it was literally like, Hey guys, like group meeting, like we're running out of film. Like we got to get this. So, and so I think it was really just like our real fear of, we just went down there. It's like the camera, the DP Elliot tie and like the two of us. And we're, and we sat in like real dirt and real cobwebs and like real spiders and shit, like all around us. And it was just naturally that creepy and scary. Honestly, <laughs> um, I wanted to get out of there really badly when we were filming. The juju was bad. I'll say that. So was that the one and only take? No, no. Um, there is one part that is only one take because we ran out. And I think it's me running around down there screaming with blood on my head. And the camera is coming closer to me as I'm like scratching at the basement door. I'm pretty sure it was like, this is the last one we need to get it. And like we fit, we filmed that scene and click, you heard the camera run out. Wow. And it was done. We were like, that's it. You're like, that's a wrap. Was there any like smudging or like, did they do any (laughs) protection spell on the inn before you entered? I mean, that's what I would, I'd have salt. <laughs> not, and I'd salt. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm aware of, but at the time I wasn't aware of that kind of thing. So, but now if, if, if I was doing the movie now, I'd be like, like, come on, like, yeah, let's like bring out our crystals. Like, let's like positive, like, let's do the whole thing. Let's, let's banish these spirits. At the time I didn't know, but I think it, I think it worked for, for us to be really that scared. I was really that scared anyway. Would you ever go ghost hunting or is that just off the list? No, I would 100%. In fact, I, I feel, you know, I was so young. I mean, I'm sure everybody can relate. Like you look back on something and you're like, I didn't like really take it in as much as I should have. And I didn't, you know, I should have gone ghost hunting and I should have done all this stuff. And maybe I didn't need to because they were just turning on and off my TV all around me constantly. you know they were just they were just there chilling but yeah i would totally go go something it's incredible going i mean again just revisiting that basement scene real quick how many people we've talked to and different filmmakers who are influenced by that basement scene and directly your performance there's a movie we were talking about just recently that's airing on shutter called host i don't know if you've heard of this movie that's it's it's like uh everyone doing a a seance on zoom during the quarantine they've been interviewing the filmmakers on tv and we had them on here rob savage and jed shepherd and part of the seed of their idea was planted from that scene of you in the basement in the innkeepers oh well that's amazing i have to watch that one of the best surprises in the film was seeing kelly mcgillis again who have not seen since top gun what was it like working with her she was great i mean it was it's so funny because i feel like I feel like everybody kind of was their character in this weird way. Like, like stepping into the hotel did this weird thing to everyone where suddenly I was like very goofy and like wearing my little outfit and running and like afraid of the hotel. And like me and Pat were bonding and like Kelly was, you know, super cool, but definitely cooler than us. Like she was very like, okay, like you're afraid actually of the hotel. That's Okay, that's cute. Um, so, yeah, she, I fidget, and she kind of, and you know, I've I grew up watching her, so I was very like naturally intimidated of her, and so it all just kind of worked out like the movie. Honestly, it was it was it was, it was interesting. It was cool to um, to work with her. Working with her was was awesome. I mean, she's an amazing actress. Like being in the scenes with her, I was like, oh shit, like she's really good. I need to like step it up and not. 
And also, you know, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but since 99% of the people I ask miss the ending and what they see, what's your take on the film's final frames? My take on the end is that just like Madeline O'Malley, you never leave. It took me four times, four times yeah, watching that yeah. movie before I even <laughs> noticed yeah. the surprise. And yeah. wow, a genius move. Well executed. Oh, I just got chills. I love that part so much. Yeah, there were so many people that I had to be like, you see? Did you see that? You see? Uh, yeah, I think it's, she became part of the history of the hotel. Is your take that the ghosts were real? Or was this all in, yeah. in Claire's head? Yeah. My take is that the ghosts were real. But, you know, you can look at it either way. But I think, I think that little, like, wink at the end is kind of like... It was real. <laughs> As you said, you get to re you reunited again with with Pat Healy and uh, the film was Cheap Thrills in 2013. Also with Ethan Embry and David Koechner, a very intimate cast. It feels like a play the way that it carries out. It sucks you right in. Another amazing choice on your part and your character, Violet. The interesting thing about her is she barely says a word, but says everything in the way she carries herself and the subtle, very subtle looks to the camera. And when she does speak, it has this incredible impact. Talk about finding Violet. Well, I, I got the script and I read it and I, and I really liked it, but I was honestly a little afraid just because I, I love what the movie says, you know, the message of what it says about society and what people will do for money and you know they'll do anything but i was kind of afraid because it's really intense you know i mean it's a it's a lot like uh, gore doesn't get me like i don't have a problem watching anything like that but this this kind of got me so i was kind of scared and pat was already attached so he called me and he was like you got to do this with me like we got to reunite like i really think you know he keep gave me pep talk and i was like yeah, I got to just go for it. And, um, and I love Pat and I love working with him. I think he's so crazy talented. So I signed on and again, like I, I, I really want to do it because it was just like another sharp turn in another direction character wise that, you know, I never played any, like she's a, she's a sociopath. You know what I mean? She's just like, she's a complete sociopath. And a weirdo. <laughs> I just that excited me. I, I I really wanted to play a character like that. She's kind of the puppet master behind the whole evening, and uh, such an amazing cast. I mean, how could I not, you know, want to work with Ethan and David and and Pat again? You know, it's funny listening to you talk about these decisions along the way. The one thing that continually comes up is that you always start off with. I was terrified to do this. And that's really inspiring. I guess you're right. I guess I am like that. I mean, I, I do believe that like, if you're afraid to do something, like why is that voice so loud? Like what is that? You know what I mean? Like you have to sometimes kick yourself and kind of jump and just kind of jump into it because it, you know, it, it, it always ends up being like very rewarding when you feel like, wow, like I was afraid and, and I, and I did that. So, so yeah, you're right. You're right. And I mean, Cheap Thrills went on to win like nine awards and South by Southwest yeah. and all these marvelous things. And you know what? What's also interesting is right now, the subject matter is particularly timely. I mean, we watched it recently uh, a few weeks ago, and it's just like so many people are, are in Pat Healy's character's position right now where their jobs, they're laid off or their jobs been furloughed. Right. 
it really brought like a gravity to watching it in these times. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, this rich couple who doesn't give a shit about this guy who's down on his luck and, and desperate and needs it and will do anything. And they're just sort of laughing and enjoying it. Like it's just a game for them. It is a game for them. Yeah, you're right. I haven't seen it in a while. I should rewatch it. Was there a scene <laughs> that was super hard for you to film? The prosthetics and all the gore, like there's a few oh, that would have oh, been like, yes. oh my gosh. But is there one that stands out that was kind of a challenge for you? Yeah, definitely. You just reminded me. Yeah, like I said, like the, the blood and stuff, like that's never really bothered. Like in movies, I'm like, cool, it doesn't bother me. But the scene, oh, the scene, I can't even think about it. The scene where they're eating all the oh, chicken. And they're yes. actually spitting it out yes. and everything. <laughs> that <laughs> is it. They're heaving, yeah. right? They're heaving. I, no, they were really puking on set. There was trash bag, and it was like it was, it was really gnarly, you guys. I, I went to Evan, the director, and I was like, I was like, um, listen, so I so I have a phobia of barf. I've had it my whole life. Like that's that's my fear, you guys. Like I'm, that's that's real fear. Like I am very, I'm really afraid of vomit. Like anything that related to that. So I was like can we shoot my reaction separate? Cause like, I don't think I can be in the room. Like if they're, cause they were like, they were puking. Ooh, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. You had to play it like stone cold during that scene. too, <laughs> right? I'm like, excellent. I'm like twirling. Like, that. like, that's what I wanted. And in real life, I was like, <laughs> no, just like silent tears. Like, and the ending is just, I mean, it's traumatizing. I, I remember oh, a couple of days after I was like, Lauren, I can't stop thinking about the ending. I'm really sad. Oh, I know. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. Thanks. Jumping around a bit to uh, 2011's Enter Nowhere. Another movie with a very intimate cast, almost like a play set in basically one location, right? That little cabin. Catherine Waterston from the Fantastic Beast films and Scott Eastwood and, and you, a tremendous thriller, that kind of like a Twilight Zone episode brought to life. Where was that created? We shot that uh, upstate New York. Well, maybe not up near the Hamptons, actually. The director's family had a house in the Hamptons and we all lived in the house, which was a nice house. So like I had a room and Scott had a room and, you know, we were all like roommates in this house, but then we would all get in a van and like go to this abandoned Girl Scout camp from like the fifties every day. And it was March in New York. So it was like raining and freezing. It was so cold. And I remember every day they had to lay out my outfit, all of our outfits to dry and they wouldn't dry fully. So it would be like icicles. Like I'd be in like, I'm in this old abandoned creepy restroom in the camp that's been abandoned forever. And I'm like putting on my outfit and I'm like freezing, you know? So it was like, it was, it was interesting that we, we laid our heads to rest in this like beautiful home in the Hamptons. But then we would like get out there every day in the mud and the snow and like freezing, running around, you know, but that, that's part of the fun of, of indie filmmaking. So it's an adventure. Another one recently we had seen was uh, Shark Night 3D. Yeah. So fun. (laughs) Did you have to do any major preparation as far as you had a lot of underwater scenes and things like that? You were in a shark cage at one point. Was any of that stuff done with stunt divers or did you have to endure any sort of training to go through all that? We did train. We trained with the Navy SEALs for a little bit and we got, we learned how to scuba dive because we had to do all of the underwater stuff ourselves. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was pretty grueling. I mean, I, 
we, yes, we trained for a couple of weeks swimming and then learning how to dive with the mask and the snorkel, especially me, because I would be, when we shot all that stuff underwater in the cage, it took too long to get the cage in and out of the water. That'd be half an hour in between setups or more. It'd be like an hour and, and you can't waste that time in between shot setups. So I would just be chilling underwater for like 30 minutes longer, just breathing through the tube. I just lived there. I just like lived underwater in the cage. It was crazy. And I remember they would give me, I couldn't wear a mask either because it would leave a ring around my face. So I would just be sitting underwater for God only knows how long, breathing through the thing with my eyes closed, just like, just waiting. I know it was really like a test in like meditation and like I'm a very like claustrophobic person naturally so just being underwater in that cage like you have to really calm your mind and just like go to a place you know where you can where you can do that and then I remember one day because we're we shot the underwater stuff in a tank you know in a in a we weren't like in a lake for real um we were in a, in a, in a you know like on a, on a soundstage tank and um I had been underwater so long, shooting so long with my eyes open that I went temporarily blind. Oh my gosh, that must have been oh, terrifying. Jeez. Yeah, like they took me. They finally took me out, and they're like, "It's lunchtime," and I was like, "Okay." And then I was like, "I can't see." <laughs> like the chlorine had, like, um, you know, done something to the outer bit of my eyeball or whatever. Uh, that's the scientific term. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at lunch, like I couldn't read like what it was. I was like, is that fish or is that chicken? Like I couldn't see what I was eating. And they're like, just go home, put in these drops. Like when your eyes regenerate so quickly, I would wake up the next morning and my eyes would be fine. But like, it was crazy. (laughs) So many of your roles have to do with water. I feel like. I know. I was going to say like now, whenever I get a script, I read it and I'm like, okay, uh, I'm in the, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm swimming. I'm screaming. I'm running. I'm going to do it. (laughs) You're so great in these genre films. Is there a dream horror project that you'd like to work on or character that you'd like to bring to life? Thank you. Yeah, I was I was thinking about it. I was like, what haven't I done? I mean, I I haven't done slasher kind of thing. You know, that would be really I would really like to do like a Jamie Lee Curtis kind of role, like a Halloween role, right? I mean, that would be really fun. Or I could go just full blown fear conquering and like exorcism like you know just really just get in there and because that would be i'm i mean i the exorcist traumatized me so much when i was a kid like i'm jewish we don't believe in the devil and i slept with a rosary by my bed (laughs) (laughs) see you are possessed (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing oh my gosh that's so awesome just like fully conquer my fear and like just the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> Did you keep anything from any productions, anything that you've worked on, like prop wise? Like, did you keep that necklace from Halloween Town? I do keep a lot. I keep whatever they'll let me keep. I have so many mementos. Like, um, what did I keep from the innkeepers? It's going to bother me. I Well, you know what? I kept um, 
I'm forgetting his last name, but the actor, George, such a sweet man. He wrote me a poem and had it laminated from, uh, you know, the innkeeper is the old man who checks in and he dies. He wrote me this poem and laminated it. And it was so, I mean, it was so sweet, but it was so corny and like weird. <laughs> and I, I, I kept it and I had it like framed in my house for a while. And I think I kept my sneakers. I know I kept other things from that, um, but I thought maybe they were like haunted. So I don't know if I, I can't think of a specific thing that's cool that I kept, but I do keep as much as I can. I have like a box full of like mementos from, I'm like a pack rat that way from every movie that I do. I, I keep a lot of stuff. Working with David Lynch, you got to do an episode of Twin Peaks. So cool. So cool. He's the nicest man, you guys. He's so nice. I mean, maybe you've heard, but his audition process is really interesting. Like he doesn't have you read any script or sides. You just like, I got an email and it was like, you're going to be auditioning for Twin Peaks and just come in and, and tell a story. And I was like, tell us, like, what do you mean tell a story? So I'm panicking, you know, like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And I just like came in and sat down and started blabbing about whatever. And then I left and I was like, oh my God, like you, you made no sense. You just started like babbling about nothing. What, what the hell? And then I got a, I got a call that I was, that they, they liked me and, they, and that I was going to be in it. And I was so excited because I'm such a big fan. Uh, I mean, such a big fan. Yeah, I didn't know my character. I knew nothing. The night before, they gave me a location of where to be at 5 a.m. And they gave me a page of dialogue that was just my lines. I didn't know the other person's lines. I didn't know where we were, who I am. Like, I knew nothing. So I just, like, tried to memorize it and, like, you know, do it as best as I could. And then I got there and we were shooting in Morongo Casino, which is, like, by Palm Springs. And he like gives me this dress and I'm like, and I'm like, he's like, your name is Candy. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? And I get on set and I'm, like, I'm with Ethan Supley. We're both, I'm like, do you know what's happening? He's like, I don't know what's happening. And I'm like, okay. And it was so fun. And, and, and he's just, he's so nice. Like he, he, he talks to you by your character name. You know, so he was like, he was like, okay, Candy, you're going to stand over here and you're going to say your line and Candy, you care about him. You love him, Candy. Like <laughs> you have deep feelings for him. And he's like doing it all through like this megaphone. And he's like not. He's like chain smoking. And like his hair is awesome. And, and it was great. And I was only there for a day, but it was like you know, bucket list. Yeah, that's an incredible yeah. story. My yeah. God. And then I left. And he like he like made everybody gather around. He's like he's like everybody say goodbye to Candy. Take care, Candy. Take care. <laughs> Incredible. Let's just quickly talk about the future for a bit. What are you working on now? What can people see you in next? Hmm, well, right now, I'm not doing a whole lot of anything right now, but hopefully soon as we all are at home, staying sane and staying safe, hopefully. But um, I do, I'm in a movie that's coming out called Blonde. Um, it's directed by Andrew Dominic. He did the assassination assassination of Jesse James and you know a bunch of other great movies and it's about Marilyn Monroe and I play her to adopt her foster mother when she's very little so my scenes are with like young young Marilyn and Anna de Armas plays Marilyn and um, Bobby Cannavale plays Joe DiMaggio and Adrian Brody plays Arthur Miller and there's a really it's a really great cast so um, I can't wait to to see it. It's pretty cool that I'm, I get to be a part of that. 
Did you see wow. Knives Out? Sorry, I just I did. Isn't I, it I loved so it. good? I love yes, it. Yes, I loved it. Some I, I know that some people were like, "Oh, it wasn't what I expected." I was like, "Why did you expect it?" It's, it's I was like, I'm a big. I was always, you know, Murder by Death and Clue, and I just love those movies. And I thought it was great. I loved it, and she was great in it. She crushed Marilyn Monroe. Like, what a tough role. Oh, I can't even imagine. That's going to be so amazing to see. When I saw her in the and they recreated like all of the famous looks and numbers from the from all of her films and it looks you guys like scary good like i it took my breath away when i saw her in the full thing it's amazing well sarah thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us today we we can't tell you you. how much of a joy this was. thank you Oh, thank you so much, you guys. This was so fun. And, you know, I hope I get to come back when I play, you know, a priest. doing <laughs> You're amazing. Well, you got right, it. Right. We'll pencil it in. That was the Boo Crew Podcast episode 167. Special thanks to our guest, Sarah Paxton. Follow at Sarah underscore Paxton on Instagram and Twitter and go see or revisit The Innkeepers, Last House on the Left, Cheap Thrills, and one of her other incredible works, this Halloween season. If you like this combo, check out episode 22 with Ty West and episode 65 with Jocelyn Donahue. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting podcast network. Bye! A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.